Welcome to Wonder, a podcast equipping women to live a wonder-filled life with Chrissy Dunham and Lisa Clark. Chrissy is a women's minister who shares his story, his love, and his word by speaking, teaching, training, and mentoring women of all ages. And Lisa is the author of Raising Sinners and loves speaking to mom groups in Texas and beyond, encouraging them as they raise their children to love God with all their hearts. Don't you know that she's, she's some kind of wonderful? We are here discussing Jared and Debbie Stewart's book, Redeemed Rebel. And I I thought it was riveting. It was riveting reading. I felt like I was in the prison with you, Jared. So you're you say it and you give Sorry. real practical advice. <laughs> You give real practical advice to parents, which I loved. And at each end of your chapters, you gave real practical things, which I think is so helpful. Your your trouble started with drugs, but you're very clear in the book that drugs, it doesn't end there because now you got to get away to have the drugs. And that's what's going to lead you into an, a criminal lifestyle, basically. And that's what happened to you. And, and I don't want to give too much of the book away, but your first little stint in with incarceration was in Jude, they call it Judy, Juvie or whatever, because Judy. you made a bomb threat. You were trying to get out of, of school. Yeah. And so then there's another stint in prison and then there's the long stint. So I guess my question is to you when you're, you, you get all that. And I would think for most kids going through juvie, it would be horrible. And so you kind of, okay, I don't want to do this, but that didn't happen with you. And you, you had a time of a few years in prison. What happened there or what didn't happen there that you got out and you were like, I'm ready to get back at it. You know, I've got to get back into drugs because you were obviously a detox through all of that. Right. So tell us a little bit about that middle stint in prison. Okay. Um, you know, and this is, this is just a, this is a fact and I've seen it over and over again. You know, I, I wouldn't wish anybody to be incarcerated for a long period of time, but I'll tell you the reason for the relapse and the reason for going back to that lifestyle is because just because I was incarcerated, I never left that lifestyle. I was young. I didn't want to stop. Just, I was detoxing. It was out of my system, but my mental and physical cravings for the drugs were unexplainable. And I wouldn't say that to nobody and I would play it off like, okay, because I just want them off my back. Like, okay, I'm good. I'm better. Please leave me alone. You know? And, but the main thing that is a big deal with the juvenile and the first stint is the amount of time because you have to get, and I hate for someone to be incarcerated for a long period of time and lose out on life. That is so terrible. But I'm telling you one thing, it's also so beneficial because you have to get hit in the mouth to just find, because two years is a little while. It's not long enough for me to change my mindset because in the whole time, I just couldn't wait to hurry up and get back. And I'm, I'm lit, missing out on life. I got to party twice as hard and to get back in the groove. And that was both times that I never even changed. There's not even a thought in my mind. I didn't want to change. I was trying to hurry up and get in and get out and get back to what I'm doing. But the last time with the 10 years, I mean, don't get me wrong. It didn't take 10 years for me to start figuring out to get it right. But it probably took five, honestly. It probably took five years before I was completely like, thank the Lord that this burden is off of me. I know that I'm grown. I know that I'm mature. I know that I don't want to do this. I just want to live life. I want, because life, you can live a great life just within the law. And I didn't know that as a teenager. So that that is a big reason to me. 
I mean, this is my personal opinion, but I've seen quite a few people come in and come out. And there's been a couple people that I've seen come in and out three times since I've been there. They came in, left, came in, left, and came in and left, and I was still there. So the reason they're doing that is because it's not enough of a reality check or a gut punch to change their mind. They come in, they stay some months, maybe nine months, a year, and they're gone, and they're right back on the streets. But if you sit in there for five or six years, then you're like, oh, my God, something has to change now or this is never going to stop. And that's what it took with this last time. So that's why the Lord didn't answer our prayers is we were praying for him to get out. And the Lord's like, no, we're not. I'm not answering that. It's true. Was not ready. It's true. And so you see, it takes a change in mindset until something goes on up here. And for young men, the frontal lobe, the neuropathways, and this is what you learn when you, when you begin to educate yourself about addiction, what is this really? And in a young man, the neuropathways in their frontal lobe are not yet connected to where they can really make the difference between choices and consequences. If I do this, what's going to set into motion, they don't care. It's that immediate gratification. And so till the, until they're about 24, does this completely grow the frontal lobe, begin to make that connection where maturity in a young man is you get to that point of maturity. So we as moms and we as dads need to help bridge that gap that's there until that gap is closed. We need to help them gap that in every way that we can. I believe through communication, through giving them permission. If you're mad at God, say so. We, we can talk about anything. We're not going to blow our minds. We're not going to go crazy. I'm not going to go have a screaming, crying fit. No, we're going to talk about this. We're going to get this out and we're going to deal with it together as a family and we're going to fight this. Um, sometimes it's referred to as fighting your demons, whatever terminology that people might want to use. But I'm reminded of a scripture in Hosea 2.15 that says, he turns the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. And so we begin to pray that whatever it took to bring our son to this breaking point, to the end of himself, it we took a beat down. I'm gonna tell you the absolute truth. We took a beat down, but our beat down has led to a breakthrough. And I'm very aware that there are moms and dads, they don't visit their son at their kitchen table or in a prison visitation area. They visit their kids at a cemetery. And I, I am sensitive to that. But when your kids are 12, 13 and 14, we have got to engage in their uh, lifestyle and their habits, their mental faculties. We've got to gauge in, in their life at a level that might drive them crazy to some point. But if they understand the reason, I am fighting for you, I am fighting for you. And it's out of love that those things happen. One of the things that Jared said in the book that stuck with me was, what consumes your mind consumes your life. So what consumes your mind consumes your life. So as you sat in prison and you said it, you know, for five years, really nothing happened. What consumed your mind that all of a sudden it clicked, you know, year six or whatever year it was, what happened? What was in your mind that made you want to change your life? Um, I think probably a big thing that was really a tipping factor was I was just so sick of 
the lifestyle that I had been living. Because when you're under the influence, you're a lot, you're really numb to reality. But after just so long of being sober and looking back at the things that I did wrong, it made me want to do so much so different to kind of make up for what I did, you know, and um, big thing of it was really is I started a, you know, this is, this is, this is just me. I can only speak about my, but I can pretty sure that there's a lot of people very similar. One big thing that was with me is uh, my grandma has sent in a little devotion and it's called streams in the desert. I don't know if you're, you're aware of streams. I'm, I'm sure you probably are, but anyway, streams in the desert and Jesus calling. There's two different ones. One's by Sarah Young. But anyway, um, that was just enough for me because I don't want to be in church for six hours. I don't want to be singing hymns. I don't want to hear the preacher scream at me. I don't want any of that. I just want the real. That's just how I am. So for that, that was just enough to get my feet wet because it's only one little paragraph, a couple little scripture references, and it was just enough of quiet time in the morning to be at peace. And it just was so crazy that I'd read about 45 seconds of a little reading and I just felt that peace. I felt a little bit better. I didn't feel great, but I felt better for sure. And I knew that feeling better. And I knew that the more and more I continue and be more involved and more devoted, I knew that things would get better and better. And sure enough, things just started being more positive. I was still incarcerated, but just things seemed to be a little bit more smoother. And I didn't seem to run into so many bumps in the road because my attitude was better. So that automatically makes my communication skills with people more respectable. And, you know, it's just, it's just a snowball effect on the positive things that happen as you get more and more involved, you know, and it was just a transition, but it was a slow transition because it took me a long time to be the person that I am today, a very long time. And even after five years, there was probably another year or two that I was still getting my feet under me and I still wasn't firm in my walk or my belief or anything. I just knew that I was doing the right thing. I knew it felt right, you know? So a big thing of it was to me was little bite-sized devotional would definitely be some advice that I would give somebody. If you're trying to get somebody to the Lord, turn them that way. I wouldn't force them. I wouldn't hit them in the face with the Bible. I would definitely give them a little paragraph with a couple of scripture references, you know, that are, you know, that are, that, that go along with, what's going on with them. I felt like that would be enough to get them kind of slowly, but surely on the right track. And then that's where the Lord changed his heart. And then he was drawn to the Bible and then Bible study. And then the Lord changed his mind, but he changed his heart first. Sure. And though those two, his faith had to become his own. And those two, I'm sure had it out on several occasions and him just getting gut honest with the Lord. But that was a, 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 cleansing thing or or whatever needed to happen between him and the lord and his faith became his own but he began his bible study and and um that that then his mind began to change and what i always say is what you think about to your question christy christy what you think about grows and you know what what consumes you consumes your life what even women today what we think about if we sit down and we're just thinking about this and we're worried about this what we think about grows and that begins to develop in our brains as well so we want to that's why the bible says think on these things what is that's pure right. and what is lovely and we just begin to believe in my word and, and know that the lord would redeem him that the lord is in the redeem that's what he does ezekiel 14 23 you shall know that i have not done without cause all that i have done saith the lord we wish we didn't have to go that way but this is 
the path that the Lord used to save his life and bring him back to himself. And we're watching him already do amazing things. And we don't know what the future holds, but we, we are committed. We're on the right track we're for on, sure. We're, we're, Amen. Hey, you guys, this is Lisa. And I just wanted to jump in here real quick and take a little break and let y'all know how appreciative Chrissy and I are that you listen to our podcast. And we're so encouraged by your comments and uh, just the um, engagement that we've had with each and every one of you. So thank you. We would love to partner with you if you have an organization or business and share your message on the podcast. We can do this just once or weekly or for the whole year. Let us know your business or organization by contacting me at lisaclarkspeaks.com. I'll get back with you and we can chat about partnering together with your business or organization through our 5013C, The Party Table. Thanks, guys. Now back to the show. I, I have to ask you, Debbie, because Jared's sharing his story. And was there a phone call you got or was it just uh, a, events after another or when you thought, oh, Oh my, he, he's changed what it worked. (laughs) This prayer has worked of all these years. It's really happening. Was that, when was that moment? Well, let me go back to what the Lord said in the beginning, the day that he was arrested. It was on October the 16th, 2009 at 7 AM in the morning. And when they took Jared away, we, we had learned of some significant things and we knew that this was probably going to be significant. And I went to the place where I meet with the Lord. And that's why I challenge women 20 minutes a day for the rest of your life. You developed a place and a relationship with the Lord that you just cannot live without. And so that morning I ran to the chair next to my table where I meet with the Lord every morning. And I'm like, why did you just do this? Like we have begged you to deliver our son. We've done everything that your word has said, do we? We have begged you and and, and this is how this thing ends. Why wouldn't you deliver our son? And in that moment, the Lord said, I just did. I just did. So to answer your question, I recognize that the Lord delivered him through Jared's writing process. He wrote a lot of letters. We wrote letters back and forth. We didn't have a lot of phone. We had phone calls, but you never know when phones are working and and you could handwrite letters. So we wrote a lot of letters. And as he began to pour out on those pages, that's when I began to, to think to myself, the Lord has delivered him. In this place of oppression, the Lord has done just what he said. He is in the delivering and the redemption process. So I recognize it in Jared through his writing, through his talking, and what's inside comes out. The Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked, and we know it not. And, and as, as his heart began to come out, as he began to share, you can tell he is working these things out with the Lord. And he, he just began to change into a different person as we watched the Lord deliver him. I love that. Another thing that you said in the book, Debbie, was don't fight the Lord and his assignment and that your pain Mm -hmm. is your progress. Your pain is your progress. Lisa and I are uh, starting a study in James and we just talked about trials and uh, discussing that and these trials we don't understand. It says to count it all joy. And I know it wasn't a joyful journey. Uh, but I love that you don't fight the Lord and his assignment. You just take it. And yes, it's okay to be mad for a few days, but you got to keep moving 
keep meeting with him, you know, know, keep your faith in check, stay in the word and pray and just keep marching because he will answer your prayer. He will. Uh, and for you, Jared, that there's a lot of golden nuggets in this book uh, for people to pick up on. And it is just filled with so many things that um, are amazing. And just like that scripture in Luke 15, as many times as I've read that, that how the Lord pointed that out to you, Debbie, and um, how that's just going to mm -hmm. help so many families. Tell me what's going on today. What? Uh, well, first of all, but wait, before we get to that. You said in the book to plan the day that your prodigal gets out, plan the day that there's the reunion. Tell me how that went down, what you had planned. Let's go there first. Well, isn't it interesting how the Lord always changes those plans? I most certainly all had that planned out. But if you'll remember, John Mark was on a heart transplant journey during Jared's time of release. And so it didn't quite go as we planned, but this was March the 5th, March the 5th of this year when Jared got out. And we had a very, very difficult time. I won't go into it, it's just a lot of detail. He should have been released by about 10 o'clock that morning. And it wasn't until 2.30 that afternoon, way past the time that they, that normally once they do shift change, they always have to be released on the same shift, not a change. They had already changed shift. We began to think he wasn't even coming out. But finally, as we are on the parking lot standing there, and, and John Mark is very weak, having just had a transplant about five weeks earlier, we watched Jared on the other side of a huge iron, cast iron gate. And we watched as that gate slowly, slowly rolled back, and then a horn blew, and Jared stepped across a line on the concrete into freedom. And of course, we were right there on that parking lot to hug him. And he couldn't really hug his dad because of his heart. But I, there's the sweetest picture that you'll see on our Facebook or I can send you. And he's just kissing his dad right on the, fore, right on the forehead. But that uh, visual reminded me that all of us can cross a line into freedom. There's a line in the sand. I believe there's a place in the ground where we can leave captivity. You, we might not be. Uh, in jail, but I know that women are in captivity to a variety of things and they're in bondage to a lot of things. And this is our cry for freedom, that those gates will roll back and the Lord is calling us to walk into freedom. Now I'll say it, it wasn't anything like we planned because when he was released to freedom, the whole world shut down. <laughs> COVID-19 <laughs> went to a shelter at home uh, order. And so he's going nuts, you know, and just, um, a variety of sweet of the Lord that, that he did happened. that. None of it <laughs> <laughs> yes. gave no us that time together. Most certainly did. But my reference in that is to always hope and plan for your coming. You think about it. You pray toward it. You plan toward it. I every every time he was up for parole. I mean, I had the refrigerator full. I had the pantry full. I am planning. I'm, I'm going to believe God and I'm planning. And if it's kind of like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I kind of had to take that mentality. Um, the Lord is able to deliver us. Now, if he chooses not to, let it be known to you, O King. I'm not about to bow down to you. I, he can rescue us and save us. If he chooses not to in this moment, that's good too. I'm going to have to be good with that too. And they came out of that, even the fiery furnace. And the Bible says they didn't even smell like smoke. You don't have to smell like what you've been through. You're welcome. 
What about you, Jared? Tell me what you're doing now and what your plans are for the future, if you have any, or what you've enjoyed the most. Just what is life like right now? Um, at first it was, I will tell you the, the most difficult thing first, it wasn't frustrating. It was just difficult was, you know, 10 years of incarceration. You'd, you're not really up to speed with technology. So <laughs> the iPhone was like a Rubik's cube to me because I'm just looking at this thing like, Oh my God, I don't even know how to turn it on. And they're playing jokes on me because they know I don't know how to turn it on. So they're just going to watch me for 30 minutes first before they hit the button. But little things like that, I'm, uh, I'm transitioning really quickly, but um, I intentionally took it very slow on purpose. I wanted to, they probably thought I was crazy because I never even came in the house. Stay I stay on the back deck and look at the lake and the grass and the birds and the trees all day long. I'm not on the phone. I'm not listening to music. I'm just sitting there outside. And my mom or dad will be like, why don't you come in here and watch TV with us? And I said, mom, no disrespect. I love you, but uh I've been watching TV inside for 10 years. I want to see some grass and some animals and squirrels and fish and, you know, so that has been the most peaceful thing of just, you know, the realization, like, thank the Lord, I've finally been delivered. You know, that's how I really feel about that. But as far as how life is going now, I mean, I've caught on pretty quickly with everything. You know, I had to go through every little thing because I've never even had a credit card until two months ago. You know, there's life experiences that have been absent from my life just because of incarceration. I haven't had no real relationship with, with, with a woman. I haven't um, had a credit card. I had to get my drop. My driver's license has been expired for eight years. You should have seen the way the lady looked at me when I went to go get a license. And she was looking at me like, why has your license been expired for eight years? Like that don't even make most people just put it right in. So I had to retake the test and everything. And that was even harder than I thought it was, honestly. But, um, but uh, I, I have a great job now. There's a there's a great guy that has given me a chance. He, his name is Larry Dixon. He owns Dixon Services. And uh, it's pretty much construction type, but it's really a smorgasbord of anything. We might make a gate. We might cut trees. We might be mowing grass. I might be pouring concrete. There's going to be something every day. I might be filling bird feeders or deer feeders or pig feeders. It's something every day. We work. I, I work technically as a ranch hand. There's a ranch that's in Mineola, Texas. It's, it's 3,500 acres, and there's me and another guy that's my boss, and we work hand-in-hand hand every day, and, and there's not a day that comes home that I'm not super dirty or sweaty. <laughs> but uh, the hard work, it's hard, too. It's really hard. But, you know, I tell, I tell my boss, he's like, he tells me sometimes, like, man, you don't got to work so hard. Just slow down a little bit. Slow and steady. And I told him, I said, man, I, I could probably name 100 people right now that would do this for free if they could be – now, if they could be free, they would do this work for free. And and it's hard. And I, to me, it's a blessing. Half the time, I feel like he need to pay me for, for, for I mean, I need to pay him, you know, <laughs> because I'm I'm out here and I'm seeing so many animals and just, just nature and just the pure joy of just little things that people take for granted. Like one of the biggest things that's a reliever to me is I just like to get in the car, turn the radio up loud and drive down the street doing 60 miles an hour on cruise control with the windows down. <laughs> I love that, but people just take things like that for granted. And that's a big thing about incarceration, you know. I really try to stay grounded in my lifestyle now. Like, I, I try to stay very, very focused on not taking things for granted because you can do it so fast. Initially, I knew for a fact I'm not taking nothing for granted. I'm going to be aware of every single thing. And then as life started progressing, as things started going on, I start, I even noticed some little things like, oh, you ain't even, you ain't even happy about 
waking up to the sun and the birds no more. You're mad because you got to get up, you know, just, and I used to not be that. So I try to stay on myself about that, but, uh, but life, life is, life is great. It is, it is awesome. And my life is definitely unfolding in front of me in a positive way, uh, trying to get my feet, you know, under me and, and I've made a lot of progress, but I got a lot more progress that I want to make. The Lord can help you wherever you are, whether you were incarcerated or not. The Lord can help you right here today begin to rebuild your life. That's what he does. He rebuilds from ruins, from ashes to beauty. And you've got to love that. I'm going to tell you, let me tell you one thing that is, um, that is really um, my goal and my priority because of what I've been through. You know, some people need to experience it, but I'm out to stop everybody that don't have to, because I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, some of the things I've experienced. I know that book is raw and real to a lot of people, but I can't even tell you how much I've dumbed it down. I, 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 I made a lot more subjects and stories, a lot more. There's nothing that I took out. I just softened it up a little bit for the, because it is, it is, it is raw and it's real. But the main thing that I'm trying to do now is I just want to catch people when they're in their formative, impressionable years. And I've already reached out to a few people and I'll reach out to anybody. I told, I, I'll scream it to the, to the world. If there's a problem child, please give him my number. Not let me take him to dinner because I'll tell you one thing. And this is just a real fact. And a lot of people don't like this, but it's just true is if you have a, a son or a daughter or a family member that's dealing with addiction, it's, it's hard truth, but, they don't care what you think. They don't care what their mom thinks. They don't care who loves them. They don't care about no prayers because they're not that child or that friend or that family member that you knew because they're a completely different person under the influence of drugs. And that's a fact. It's not an excuse. It's just a fact. So with that being said, a big thing that I feel like I have a lot of leverage is, is a lot of people will be a lot more susceptible to the information that I can give through life because I'm going to just be real. I'm not going to preach to you like your mom. I'm not going to give you a scripture reference. I'm going to give you motivation and inspiration. And I'm, I'm here to, for personal growth and self-help. That's more of my gear. That's why I feel like we make a pretty good team because don't get me wrong. I love the Lord and the Bible myself, but I can't spit scriptures off like Debbie Stewart, you know, <laughs> I don't know and, anybody uh, that one can. thing I can do is give you like, yes, ma'am. But yeah, I can't. He speaks from someone who has been, who's been there, and he is going to tell you like it is. So to hopefully get the attention of someone from someone who has been there, they know the lie that you're thinking. They know the thing you're trying to get away from. Well, well we thank you guys for being on here, and uh, this is Jared Stewart's book, Redeemed Rebel: Twenty Perspectives from a Prodigal and His Mom. Why don't you guys tell us how someone can order this book? They can find me on Facebook, Debbie Stewart on Facebook. You can email me at um, Green Acres. You can go to greenacres.org. You can find me there. Uh, just probably Facebook. We, we, we haven't, this is just grassroots, really. It's something the Lord asked us to do. We haven't put it on Amazon or anything like that. So just, you can contact me through Facebook or Green Acres Baptist Church. A lot of the messages are there about that. And uh, where Jared had a goal and, and we're supporting him in this, we would like to get this in every prison in Texas. So there's about 120, I think we're up to 55 at the moment. So if anybody would like to help do that and also Teen Challenge, we've uh, reached out to them in Oklahoma and there's a San Antonio and there's a lot of others that we would like to get this book in a place before 
the kid goes might have to go to jail in a rehab. The main right. reason is I feel this. I feel one thing. Prison, prison is that's my goal. I want. I would like one in every prison in Texas because I've been to a few of. Them. I know one thing. Even little place, if you have not been incarcerated for that long, if you could get into a rehab, a juvenile any type of detox facility where you temporarily have somebody, they're about to be let to the street, but maybe they're not in their right mind and they just are there for a little minute and maybe they could just catch it and read a little 150, 170 pages and maybe it'll just catch their attention before they keep on going down that path or before they take the wrong road because maybe they might be on the wrong road already, but maybe it's not too late to turn around, you know? I feel like they could make that turn, maybe just in a little rehab for 30 days. Somebody might read it and be like, oh my goodness, how did I not know this? Or just read Jared's part. Don't even read my parts really more to the parents. But if someone would, that's struggling, and I mentioned this earlier, or not in this, but in an earlier conversation, uh, if your teenagers are struggling, pay them. Pay them to read Jared's part and just give a little book, give a, a five point book report on just Jared's part. I give you $20, $25, whatever the going rate is these days. <laughs> I will pay you because it, I think if they'll start reading Jared's part, don't mm -hmm. even have to read mine, uh, I think it will be, a, it'll grab their attention. I don't think they realize what real life is behind bars and, I, and they're not going to want to go there. So, yeah. So we're encouraging parents somehow get your kids to read it if they're struggling in those areas. Well, it's amazing. And it's a, it's an incredible book and we appreciate you guys so much for sharing your story and being real and honest with us. And the book is just, like I said, it's riveting. It's, I mean, I was just blown away through the whole thing by just the authenticity and the desire to help. And I think uh, God was in those pages and the scripture, Debbie, I mean, I'm just thinking of so many things that it, it even crosses over a rebellious child into just faith in general and how to strengthen your faith. So thank you guys so much for coming on uh, the wonder podcast. And uh, we're very thankful and um, we'll be praying for you, Jared, as you continue uh, your life in freedom. And um, I know that I can just look at your mother's eyes and, and know how sh this is just the biggest gift from the Lord is your life. And um, what you're doing now. So God bless you both and thank you so much. Don't you know that she's, she's some kind of wonderful She's some kind of wonderful Yes yeah, she is, she's, she's some kind of wonderful